Good morning and welcome to The Dash. I'm Pastor Brian and I will be your host over the next three weeks as four teams compete for the opportunity to win some awesome gift prizes, but more importantly, they will be crowned the Joy Christian Center Dash Champions. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life and that no man comes to the Father but by me. And so for the next three weeks, these four teams will be involved in challenges that will test their ability to communicate under pressure. They will be asked to blindly trust each other and they will be working together to solve puzzles and riddles that will eventually help them to be crowned as the Dash Champion. The two teams that survive will be competing against each other live on Sunday morning, September 24th at our 10 o'clock service. And the ultimate survivor will become our Dash Champion. So let's meet our teams. Jolie. I'm Cami. Fairy Godrunners. Our strategy is determination. Oh, and we were in a thing for uh, KCLD. KCLD that was cruising for diamonds and we had to go around town. On our bicycles. Yeah. Which True was story. rough. Yeah. Oh, I'm Terry Lemon. This is my wife, Polly what, Lemon. Honey, what? when the camera starts. I think oh, it we're, started. We're yeah. Right now? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I fixing my hair? <laughs> uh, the team name is Lemonators. Yeah, we're Lemonators, so bring a little bit of Schwarzenegger into the play, maybe. We'll figure it out. <laughs> play as you go. <laughs> um, we are the No Namers, and my name's Janetta. I'm Izu. And we are doing this because he thought this was a good idea. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I am into all kinds of sports. I have um, a lot of skills and I think we can do good on this. <laughs> I'm on the other side of sports, so <laughs> I'm hoping that we'll just be the best. <laughs> My name is Jared Shurhammer and I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Marilyn and I'm actually from Maryland, so. Maryland from Maryland. <laughs> we are team Give Me Back My Rib. What's your strategy? Um, to work together and um, just have fun and just go for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, my strategy, you know, take everyone else out by the knees. <laughs> All right, good morning. Are you teams ready to rock and roll? Yeah. All right, all right. I know that probably all of you have already been sizing up your competition, and some of you have been like, all right, we can beat these guys because they're not all that. So the first event that you will be competing in is actually several small events, and the goal is to be one of the first three teams to arrive at the next leg of our journey. 
To be one of those three teams, we're going to have to test your ability to solve puzzles, safely and quickly navigate a map, and decipher encrypted messages, which will all bring you to your final destination for the day. Now, the first three teams to arrive will be moving on, but sadly, for one team, your quest will be over. So, are you guys ready to get to the first challenge? All right, here it is. One member of your team is going to be running to this table where you will pick up a puzzle. You'll bring that puzzle back to your table and put it together. From that puzzle, you will have to decipher clues that will lead you to some batteries. Once you have your batteries, proceed to the volleyball court. One of you will wear headphones listening for the tone while the teammate swings the metal detector. Working together, you will have to recover an Altoid tin that will contain a map. Once you find that map, you can proceed to your vehicle and begin to find your way to your next destination. Upon your arrival at that destination, you will receive an encrypted message that will give you the location to your next stop. You will proceed there, and another encrypted message will bring you to your last and final destination. Again, the first three teams arriving will be moving on, but the last team to arrive will be going at the horn, you will be ready to rock and roll, so here we go. The Dash at Joy Christian Center 2017 starts now. Well, you'll have to come back next week to see what happens. <laughs> I was so engrossed back there watching it, I forgot to come out. <laughs> We want to welcome you to Joy. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, we don't normally just, you know, play, uh, uh, you know, reality TV shows and things like that. There actually is a purpose behind what we're doing uh, as we do this series, The Dash. And as you've heard, it's a three-week series, and uh, we're going to build upon every week. So we're honored and blessed that you're here, and, and, and I sort of apologize for the time change. I know that for some of you, it's a little bit difficult, and, and uh, we get kind of in our ruts and routines. But, but whenever you got here, whether it was 9 o'clock and then went and had breakfast and then came back, thank you. And for those that will be arriving at 1045, uh, we love you and uh, you can catch the rest of it online. But regardless, we're glad that you're here this morning. And one of the things that you heard uh, as we talked about the dash, uh, one of the things that you heard was a scripture in John chapter 14 and verse six is the verse that we're really familiar with where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. But beyond that, uh, there were some things that Jesus was talking about before that that really give light and weight to what he was saying there. And I, I want to back up just a little bit in that chapter to kind of introduce the idea of the, of the dash and, and where we're at. And, and uh, we've said this about our church. I have three goals. Number one, I want to help people find Jesus and make him the Lord of their life. Number two, I want those who find Jesus to be discipled. And number three, I want to have fun while we're doing the first two. And uh, that is a value that we have here. And so one of the things that Jesus was talking about here, he, he was really, he had been preparing the disciples for this season, for this time in his ministry, and one of the things that he was preparing them for was this whole thing of him departing and him leaving, and, and obviously Jesus has been their source, Jesus has been their answer, Jesus has been everything to them. He was the one who told them where to go, what to do, uh, what, what, to, what to say when things got difficult, when they needed some cash, when they needed some money for taxes, Jesus told them. Where to, where to get it. He fed the multitudes. And now Jesus says, I'm going to be leaving. And the disciples understandably were very concerned about that. And so in John chapter 14 and verse one, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And that word troubled means anxious. It means worried. And part of that worry was because Jesus said that he was leaving. And then he says this, trust in God. That's good church word, isn't it? 
Kind of a good church phrase. How many of you have ever been going through a difficult time and then somebody says, that's all right, just trust God. And you're like, want to smack them. Because you're just giving me the church answer. You're just giving me the, you're just trying to get rid of me kind of thing. Because I got an issue here. Just trust God. Well, that doesn't, you know, sometimes that's not really that great. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So that you will always be with me where I am. I I just want to reiterate something that we mention a lot. and, and, And that's simply this idea. It has always been the heart of God. It has always been the heart of the heavenly father to be with his creation, to be with the men, the women, the humanity that he has started and created with Adam and Eve. It has always been his heart to be with us, with you and with me. And part of that reason is because of his great love for us. And you need to be convinced about this. You need to understand this. You need to know that God wants to be with you. He wants, to, he, he wants you to know him, to experience him, to, to, to relate to him, to have fellowship with him. It has always been his heart, but we know that the entrance of sin separated God from his creation. And so Jesus is reiterating something when he says, I don't want you to be worried about this. God's prepared some stuff for you and it's good stuff. And he's prepared it for you because he wants to be with you. And, and a lot of times we hear this part in funerals and and perfect, it is certainly a good phrase in a funeral. God's preparing a place for you so that he, you can always be where he is. But you don't have to wait to die to experience God. You don't have to wait to die to have him dwell with you. And so Jesus goes on in verse four, and I love this, it just kind of makes me laugh. So the disciples have come to and said, you know, Jesus, we're concerned because you're talking about leaving. And verse four, he says, and you know the way to where I am going. Now, I'm, I would imagine the disciples are like, wait a minute. Did we miss a meeting? Did we miss a memo? Did we miss something? Because I have no, we never know what Jesus is up to. You know, Jesus, when he's teaching, do you not, do you understand what we, why, what I'm saying? They're like, no, we never get it, Jesus. Can you go back to the field? Can you go back to a seed? Can you go back to something else? Because we just don't understand it. <laughs> so Jesus is like, you already know the way to where I'm going. They're like, what? Wait a minute. Must have missed that. Verse five. No, we don't know, Lord. <laughs> How many of you ever felt like that? Just trust God. We don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going. (laughs) So how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And that question that he asks is the central question. It is the empty spot in the heart of humanity. How can we know the way? What's the right way? What's the right path? How do I get to that place that God has prepared for me? What's the way? How do I get there? And we've had people that have come along and said, If you do these 10 things, if you do these five things, if you live a certain way, if you don't do things wrong, if you do this, if you don't do that, and many of you have been brought up in systems like that, and it became so complicated that you you wanted to give up and quit because it was so hard. And you have people saying, you know, and you have people today that are like, you know, God is up on this mountain and it doesn't really matter what path you take. As long as you all get to God, that's all that matters. And so one path is as good as another path. Can I tell you this morning, that's, that's not true. 
And I want to introduce you to this because Jesus said this again, or, or the disciples said, how can we know the way? And there have been a lot of people telling you what the way is, but what if you spend your whole life walking a certain way only to find out at the end that that's not the way? What if you've wasted a year or two or your lifetime pursuing the wrong path? So Jesus says in verse six, Jesus told him, after they'd said, wait a minute, we don't know the way. We're not sure how to get there. Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. By saying that, Jesus introduced the disciples to a different thought because the disciples had been brought up understanding that the way to God was keeping the law. The way to God was being right. It was, it was following the right protocol. That was the way to God. Now Jesus turns that upside down and he said the way is not a religion. The way is not a sect. The way isn't those things. The way is a person and you're talking to him I am the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one gets to that place that God is preparing for them except by me. It's not some obscure path. It's not some difficult way. It's not some religion, not some person other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I am the way. Now, if Jesus is the way, how many of you know that if he's the way, we probably should follow him? But that can get complicated. Matthew, the tax collector, writes a, a, a book. He was one of the followers of Jesus. And in verse nine, I won't go into all of it, but Matthew chapter nine and verse nine, it says, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Now, this to us is just sort of, you know, just history to us. It's just, it, it doesn't really mean a lot to us because we don't fully understand all that was going on and all that was really being packed into this one verse. But, but to understand the Jewish culture and system is to understand that the tax collector was a hated person. They hated tax collectors. Tax collectors had their own category of sinner. There was like drunkards and prostitutes and evil people and tax collectors. I mean, they had their own special place. And so here's Jesus, and he's, he's going from one place to another. He sees Matthew, the tax collector. He's sitting at the table. He's collecting taxes. And Jesus is about to say something to him. It actually says, and Jesus said. And don't you think that Jesus entourage the disciples, the ones who were with him? We're like, boy, Jesus is going to lay into him now. Jesus is really going to get him. Jesus is really going to fix that wagon. He's going to let him have it. I bet Jesus say, I bet your mom is proud of you right now. Here you are stealing from your own people. That's what, Jesus, that's what they're thinking. That's what they want. They want Jesus to get all up in his business and tell them everything that's wrong with him because after all, the disciples, they're following the way. They're, they understand the law. They, they're the good people. They're the right people because they were born into a system. They were born into something. And they're looking at Matthew and Matthew's left the way. And Jesus upends all of their thoughts and he says a couple of simple words to him. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew did something crazy. So he arose and followed him. I don't know why this is just funny to me. It's just so simple. Jesus takes somebody who is one of the most unlikely individuals and says, I want you as part of my team. I want you to follow me. I want you to go where I go. 
And I don't know, I, I kind of feel like the disciples might have been the, the ones that were with him. The disciples made, may have, have, have had some bad attitudes about Matthew. It's like, I can't believe he's a part of our group. I mean, you, do you realize what he's there? Thomas is like, man, I don't think he should be here. And, and John and, you know, they're like, you know, I'm the one that Jesus loves and that guy's terrible and all that other, you know, all of those things that could have been going on. And Jesus is trying to teach them and teach us a lesson. And Jesus made a very simple offer to Matthew. I want you to follow me. If we had more time, we'd go into where, where Jesus went. He ended up going to his house. It's like, it looks actually more like Jesus is following Matthew than Matthew's following Jesus. But he had a point there, and I know that some of you grew up in totally different religious structures that said, this is the way. This is the way. If you do this, if you say this, if you pray this, if you do that, I grew up in a similar structure where, where, where the emphasis was on making sure you do the right things, but it didn't really matter if you knew the right person. If you showed up, if you read your Bible, or you didn't have to read it, if you brought your Bible, those kinds of things, that was all that was necessary. Show up and make an appearance. Well, God has far more for us than that. And so I've talked to a lot of people over the years that, that guilt is one of the biggest motivators and manipulators in their life, guilt and shame. I don't feel like I'm good enough. As soon as I get rid of this stuff, as soon as I quit that, as soon as this isn't a, a bother to me anymore, then I'll be okay to follow Jesus. And what I think is one of the most important things that, that many times is, is left out, it's missed. I, I think that one of the most important things that you and I can understand about this is simply this. When Jesus went to Matthew, the tax collector, and he said, I want you to follow me, he didn't say, follow me if... He didn't say, you can follow me if you quit being a tax collector. He didn't say, you can, you can follow me when you clean up this part of your life, when you quit doing that. He said, I just want you to follow me. That's it. Now, that's not hard, is it? I mean, it's really not hard. Just follow me. And Matthew's like, okay, here I go. Don't know where I'm going exactly. You know what that is? That's faith. That's trust. And that's the essence of the Christian life. God says, I just want you to follow Jesus. I just want you to, all you have to do, one step at a time. One, quit worrying about what you aren't. Quit worrying about all of those things and follow him. So what if you, what if as you sit here to this morning, what if what you thought was the right way? What if the system that perhaps you grew up in or, or perhaps the system that, that somebody else has told you about or there's a lot of different ideas about spirituality and, and all of these other things that are floating around out there. But what if all of those ways aren't the way? What if we spend a lot of our life trying to follow a way that isn't going to get us to the point that God wants us to get to? And so in the first part of the dash, what you saw, we had our four contestants and, and they did a great job. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you guys. And, uh, the first part of the dash, the first part was really, they needed to listen intently to the instructions that were given to them. And then after they were listening to the instructions, they had to find some clues. And after they found the clues, they had to follow those directions so that ultimately it would get them to the place that they were supposed to be at. And so, <laughs> it all sounds simple, doesn't it? Get some instructions, follow the instructions, get to the right place. Doesn't that sound simple? Well, here's the thing about simple. Sometimes simple instructions have a, have a way to get complicated. And so let's, let's look at part two of the dash. 
At the horn, you will be ready to rock and roll. So here we go. The Dash at Joy Christian Center 2017 starts now.
has to be high in the sky a balloon will rise with water inside there you will find where the final destination lies we're at burnix is there anything here <laughs> might want to change them. If not, then this is what you can do. Join us at our local Wake Park Pizza Ranch for some good food and fun times between 3 and 7 p.m. Not only will you get some good food, but 25% of your bill will go towards funding this year's Fall Fun Fest. That's right, 25%. That'll bring a smile to anyone's face. So come on out and enjoy the buffet. Just let the cashier know you're here to support Fall Fun Fest. The buffet is $12.25 per adult. For ages 2 to 10, it's 90 cents per year of life. This special offer is happening on October 8th, too. But don't wait till then. In fact, just plan on Pizza Ranch for dinner that night, too. But wait, there's even more. And this has to do with food, too. Food tokens for our party in the parking lot on September 24th are for sale today in the bookstore. 
There's also a general food price guide. There are no refunds once tokens are purchased, so be sure to use them all on the 24th. Morning as we uh, <clears throat> have been taking some steps in the dash, just to kind of recap just a little bit. And uh, let me just say too, first of all, our four teams, thank you so much for, for giving us your time. I wanna say a special thank you. Go ahead, give them a hand, amen. I also want to just, just say a special thank you, first of all, to uh, Steph and to Pastor Tommy. Uh, the two of them have, have spearheaded a lot of this. They have a great team of people that have been doing video and helping with. And, and there are literally, we had GoPros in four cars, and then we probably have 40 or 50 hours of video to cut down into about 20 minutes on a, on a service. So that's a lot of watching stuff. And, and uh, um, maybe you guys are going to make an outtake, a blooper video or something like that. How many of you would like to see that? All right, good. Well, we might try to make that happen as well. Just to remind you that uh, uh, we'll be doing a live event with our two finalists in two weeks, and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're going to see who's going to win. I don't know. I, who, how many of you think the Fairy Godrunners are going to win this thing? <laughs> the Fairy Godrunners do. All right, how many of you think that the no-namers are going to win? They brought their own cheering section, apparently. How many of you think that the Lemonators are going to win? Uh-oh, how about give, team, give me back my rib. All right, oh, that's, all right. Well, you guys got your work cut out for you. Well, as you, as you saw, it, it, the simple instructions can get complicated pretty quickly, can't they? Simple instructions can become complicated. I mean, we have people, I, I, it was amazing. The number, how many of you recognize 56379 as Sock Rapids? So how many of you, when you recognize it, this, oh, that's Wade Park, you were like, uh-oh. <laughs> no, wait, that's Sartell. Uh-oh. <coughs> simple complicated, simple, simple instructions can get complicated very, very quickly. My favorite thing, my favorite thing of the whole thing was, honey, will you please just Google 56379? <laughs> Our friend Google helps us out with everything, doesn't it? Well, here's the thing. Simple becomes complicated really, really quickly. It really it really, really does. And that is what Jesus stepped into when he came to planet Earth. The simple heart of the Heavenly Father that says, I want to be with my people had become a system that was incredibly complex. The Ten Commandments that God gave as a, as a guide, as a path to lead to him, they weren't, they weren't designed to keep them. They weren't designed to, to, for us to try to live by them to the degree that, that, you know, that makes us right with God. They were designed, the Ten Commandments are designed to show humanity that it's impossible to keep them. It's designed to show humanity that, that there's something wrong on the inside of us that needs fixing. And the only thing that could fix it was the loving Heavenly Father who sent His Son to be the fix, to be the way to get to God. And those Ten Commandments had become 613 laws that they had to follow. And there was argument and debate and fighting over what laws were the most important, what laws should be kept, and what laws were the gray area, and what laws were the, well, you know, we really don't need to keep that one as much as the other one. If you do these, these, you're, you're better than others. And it became a system of the people who were in and the people that were out. Today, it's a little bit different. We have church people and we have people people. We have good Christian people and then we have everybody else. And our system at times is as complex as what Jesus stepped into. But remember what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to show people the heart of the Father. 
He came to show people God loves you. And that was so contrary to what the listeners of Jesus' day understood because they understood that God was this fearful being, this angry person that was hiding behind the veil that only special people could go into at only special times of the year and after following all kinds of special protocol, only certain people could get to God. And that mindset exists today. Only certain, I've had people, I'm a pastor, but I'm just a normal person. I have a title, I have a job, I'm a pastor. And I've had people say, well, maybe you have more pull with the big guy than I do. You're right. I wish I did sometimes. Sometimes like you guys got more pull than I do, it seems like. It's not based on our ranking. It's not based on our title. It's not based on our goodness. Everything in the kingdom of God is based on what Jesus did for us according to God's plan. And so Jesus came to show people the heart of the Father, and he used word pictures. He depicted the heavenly Father as a father, a a father-to-child relationship. He talked about vine and branches, The vine provides life for the branch to produce fruit, just like the heavenly father and the Holy Spirit and his son Jesus, they provide life to you and I so that we can produce fruit according to God's plan and his will and his purpose. He talks about sheep and shepherds and, and all of those different things that sheep, actually the Bible says we are the sheep of his pasture. And how many of you know that sheep aren't always the brightest bulbs on the tree? Now, you know why he called us. I I don't think it was complimentary when he said, man, you guys are like the sheep of a shepherd or been the the sheep of a field. What the heck? You just, I don't know. I've never been a shepherd, but they said that shepherds, to get a sheep's attention, they kind of grab them by the scruff of the neck and go, bam, right in the forehead. It was like, oh, okay. Never had it explained quite like that before. I mean, if you ever had God, you know, wake you up, bam, sort of a thing. But he showed pictures. And basically in all of those pictures that he showed, he wanted us to understand that God is a relational God. Let me say that again. God's a relational God. God desires a relationship with you and with me, but that relationship was damaged. That ability to have that relationship that he desired wasn't there. But he wants us to have sort of a Garden of Eden relationship where he and we, we walk together, talk together, fellowship together. But the only way that could be accomplished is by Jesus coming and doing what God had for him to do. That was being the sacrifice for sin. That he would be the bridge that would bridge the gap between us and God so that we could have fellowship with him. And so Jesus took the complex and he made it really simple. And how did he make it simple? He simply says, follow me. Follow me. Just follow me. And here's what I think is is missed many times in that whole statement, in that whole idea. Because we still operate with the mindset of, comp- of complexity. We still operate with the mindset, I've got to be good enough. I've got, I've got to check the boxes. I've got to do the do's and don't do the don'ts. And if I, if I get more right than wrong, then I'm going to be okay with him. I think what he's saying is, I want you to follow me. I want you to get around me. I want you to hang out with me. I want you to see what I'm really, really like. And I think that's what he was doing with Matthew. I'm sure... Well, at least as sure as I could be, I'm pretty sure that Matthew felt all of those things that we often feel when it comes to God. He felt separated. He felt not good enough. 
He knew what other people were thinking about him. He knew what his own past was. He knew what his situation and his circumstances were. He knew all of those things. He, he had all kinds of reasons why he should not be a follower of Jesus. But they all came because of the system that he was used to. They all came because of the religious structure that he had been familiar with that said, this is how you get to God. And Jesus upended all of that when he said, follow me. Simple becomes complicated really, really quickly. And one of the most difficult things in life is to maintain that simplicity. And you've heard me say it more than, more than once. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. There's a big difference between simple and easy. And unfortunately, people want simple Christianity. Christianity is, or I'm sorry, people want easy Christianity. There are times that Christianity will complicate your life. There are times that the decisions of life that you need to make will be complicated because they'll be contrary to what you want or what other people think you should do. Amen? But it will complicate your life in all the right places in all the right ways. And, and, and see, this is why the relational part is so important. You and I need to come to a point where we absolutely are convinced that God has our best interest at heart. We need to be absolutely convinced that Jesus and the Heavenly Father love us so much and that he's given us his word, he's given us his instruction and said, this is the best way to live. It's contrary to how everybody else lives, but this is the best way to live. And if you'll follow me first, you're gonna get to know me. If you just have a relationship with me, if you'll just do those things. And so <laughs> Jesus came to them in all of that confusion, all of that complexity, and he said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you know me, then you know the way. If you know me, then you know the truth. And if you know me, then you will have life. And so what's the most important thing? The most important thing is to get to know him because once you know him, that is the way, and you will begin to follow him in those things. And, and, and here's what I've found is, is that many times that first step is the hardest step because that first step represents faith. That first step represents trust. And I, I, I won't take the time to go into all of it, but you saw a lot of that this morning. A little bit of uncertainty. Wait, are you sure that this is the right way? I'm absolutely positively sure. This, would you please just Google it? See, there had to be some trust. There had to be some followership as well. And that first step is, is always the most difficult. At, at least I think it is always the most difficult. And that's because we're asking the question, is this right? Is it gonna hurt me? Is it gonna cost me? It's that relationship that helps us understand that God has our best interest in heart. So how many of you ready to see the next step? All right, here we go. We've got four teams remaining. Let's follow up and see what happens here in the dash.
has something inside. Oh, nice. What's it say? Family Fun Park Track Bat Slide Pull Boat. Is that, do you think, Summerland? Family Fun Park? Summerland. Track. That's Summerland. Is it? It has to be. That's the only one I know of. Well, there's a Family Fun Park that was in Wake Park, too, right where we were. Well, it's that water park that's like right next to McDonald's. Okay. But well, I don't know. It's track, fat, slide, hold, boat. Seriously, I need coffee. <laughs> We're not stopping anywhere. We're not stopping anywhere. <laughs> I need coffee. I want coffee so bad. I really need some more coffee. Go-karts, mini golf, water slide, bumper boats, indie carts, moonwalk batting cages. It is. It has to be Summerland Family Fun Park. Okay. Is that what it says on the Yeah, it's okay. a summer like Perfect. I know how to get there too. Congratulations, you guys are the first team to arrive. Remember that video that we did on Sunday about joining a small group? I said yes, I said no. Yeah. What would your yes and your no be? I said no because I don't really like motorcycles. I said yes because this is the last Saturday that we have to ride with the joy be here on Saturday at 10 a.m. And congratulations, you guys are the first team to arrive. Way to go. Give me back, my rib has made it. We understood that, I think we understood that you guys read the clue on the bottle wrong at first. Yeah, we did. You guys are... Yeah, we read the bottle and we saw, oh, Lafayette Springs, Wisconsin. We're like, okay, we're about to go there. No, we didn't. Uh, but we, we did see the CenturyLink, and we were going to go to the Wade Park CenturyLink because Marilyn was like, oh, I don't know why they would bring us all the way to Rice or Little Falls. I was like, you're right. And then she's like, there's a clue on the inside right before we were about to leave. And I was like, good call, Marilyn. And she's like, family fun park. I was like, I know where that is. Nicely done. Well, congratulations. It looks like we've got another one coming. So you guys can step right over here. Congratulations to the Laminators. You guys are team two to complete the first leg of the challenge. So tell me, uh, uh, any any challenges on that first run? Yeah. Uh, we got to the MAC really quick, and then Polly was like, five, six, three, seven, nine, I know exactly where we're going. Wait Park. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wade Park, huh? We, we ended up at Burnix. <laughs> it looks like a hot air balloon, and it smiles. So <laughs> we were there first. <laughs> Being the husband, listen to the wife as usual, so. And then I listened to him because he told me to 
told me, make just Google the zip code quick. Make sure we're in the right area. <laughs> and she was like, oh, it's so crap. It's... <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Your team two to arrive. You can just take your place over there. We're going to wait for our next two or next one. Hurry up, hurry up. And you have qualified to go on to the next level of the dash. So, so tell me just a little bit, uh, what, what's been your experience so far? What was the hassle holdup or anything like that? Definitely the sand pit. Trying to find the thing. Once we found the clue or the map, then it was good. And then I think I went the wrong way in Sock Rapids and all the roads are closed. All right, well, congratulations. The other two teams are taking care of other business. And uh, you guys are the third one. We're waiting for the Fairy God Runners to make it. We had the batteries in wrong. Yeah, so we had the batteries in wrong in the medical detector. We couldn't keep it to the floor or the ground very well. Yeah. And then... We got lost in Sock Rapids. Yeah, we got lost in Sock Rapids, so I had to call my friend to ask how to get to the water tower. And then, mm -hmm. then we got there and I thought that we were going to Lake George, so we drove to Lake George, and then I realized that we were supposed to go to Summerland because the commercial played in my head. And we had to call home and yeah. ask. Yeah, to make sure. No. We knew long before. Yeah. We knew long before. We knew when we got to the water tower. Yeah. We knew long before, but it was fun. It was a great experience. you understand that the dash is more than just a reality show there is a church service involved in this and and I want to finish up with a couple of thoughts uh, this morning and 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 it's really this the dash isn't about necessarily about trying to be the first one to win a race and I, I think probably some of you may be familiar with this uh, little story or, or or these thoughts that I'm about to share with you but I feel that they really re they, they sort of strike at the heart of what we're hoping to convey to you uh, throughout this series and, and want you to think about. And uh, uh, go ahead and put the next uh, graphic up. There, it's a picture of a, of a tombstone, if you would. And, and here's my question for you is, what are you going to do with your dash? What are you going to do with your dash? Because everybody has one, but you only have one, and that's it. And as you perhaps have heard on every tombstone or almost every tombstone, there'll be a, a date that, or, or a year that signifies the, the, the year that you were born or the date that you were born. And as somebody has said, the, the greatest day of your life is the day of your birth. The second greatest day is the day that you understand why you were born. Why are you here? 
That's part of the reason that we're here as a church. We want to help you to find out, to understand your wiring and the way that God has designed you and the gifting that God has put into you. It all relates to why you are here on this planet, why God's given you breath and why God has given you life. And so that, that birth date is extremely important. And then the, the second date that's on a tombstone is the date of a person's death, they, they, when they leave this life. And, and I've, I've had the privilege, in a sense, the responsibility of doing a lot of funerals. And over the last couple of years, I've done funerals for people uh, on, on both ends of the spectrum age-wise, from, from, from five years old to 94 years old. And, 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 it, and as common as it is for every one of us to understand that the mortality rate on planet Earth has been running at 100% for a long time, we know that nobody gets out of this life alive. We know that every single one of us, as the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after that is the judgment. After that is where we give an account for how we've lived our life. And the part that we have to give an account to is not the point of our birth, it's not the point of our death, but it's in the dash, It's in what's between. And that dash represents your life. Your one and your only life that you have on this planet. And you and I have to fit all of our living, all of our loving, all of our learning, all of our joys and our trials and all of those other things in that dash. We don't exactly know how long that dash is. And two observations that I've had at... at at funerals and different things is number one, people, as much as they understand and know, and this is my first observation, everybody understands that we're all going to die. My second observation is everybody's always surprised when it happens to them, or not them, because I haven't talked to them, but... (laughs) the family is usually surprised. And, a, and another thing that I've noticed is that no matter what age a person was, no matter what kind of life they lived, all of the family wishes that they could have had another day or another week or another moment. Another, uh, 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 they wish they could have had more time. And so Jesus steps into our lives. He steps into what he wants for us. Remember the heart of the Father, I wanna be with you. I wanna be with you. And so he sent Jesus to take what was complex and what was difficult, and Jesus just simply says, I want you to follow me. Take the first step. Get rid of all of the excuses. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. It says this, come to me, all you. Notice that there's, there's, there's not any rules to that. He just says, how many of you could fit into the category of all you? Amen? All of us fit into that, right? All of us fit into the all you category. So if you're here this morning and you think, well, I'm not good enough, or maybe you've got something from the past that's beating you up right now that you're saying, you know what? I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. You know what Jesus says to you? Just come here. Just come here. Maybe life hasn't turned out the way you've wanted it to. You know what Jesus is saying to you? He's not saying, well, of course it didn't work out because you're stupid. You know, he's not saying that. He says, just come here. And notice what he says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the heaviest burden that you can carry around is a religious burden. It's a guilt burden. It is a shame burden. That's the heaviest burden. And, and, and when he says, come to me, all you that labor or work, you're burdened down. 
He's not talking about your nine to five job, your Monday through Friday. He's not talking about that. He's not even really talking about the difficulty of life. What he's really talking about is the heaviest burden that you can carry. And that is trying to be good enough. The heaviest burden that you can carry is trying to measure up to a religious system that there is no ability to measure up in. Which is why Jesus goes on and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. (laughs) I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. And then he says something that I think for a lot of Christians, it's gonna, if we really think about it, it's like, wait, what? What? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that sometimes is, is the opposite of what we thought Christianity really is. We thought Christianity is so hard. I'm a Christian. It's just so hard. You know what? I sort of think that if you think Christianity is really, really hard, then probably you're not following If it's so heavy and such an inconvenience and burden to your life, then you're missing the point. I think. Or maybe you've let guilt come in. Maybe you've let shame cast that shadow over your heart and over your life. And maybe you're trying all kinds of remedies to get rid of that shame, to get rid of that guilt and to get rid of that heavy burden. And Jesus just says, if you just come to me, just come, just come. He makes it so simple. Religion always complicates. Religion always makes it hard, but he makes it so simple. Just come. (laughs) Because I'm the way. When you're lonely, I'm right here with you. When it's so heavy and hard, I'm here to carry that burden. He just says, come, take that first step. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you would bow your heads, and I want you to consider two things this morning. Number one, what are you gonna do with your dash? What are you gonna do with the one and the only dash that you have? And you can try. You can try to do a lot of this stuff on your own. But you're going to find yourself frustrated. You're going to find yourself tired and worn out. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that first step where Jesus says, if you'll just come to me, he said, I'll give you rest. You see, that, that, that causes us, that, that forces us to believe that there's an active God. It forces us to believe that there is a Savior, that we're incapable of saving ourselves, we're incapable of being good enough, and his yoke, if you will, his burden, if you will, is his grace. And he says, I just want you to accept what I've done for you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. This isn't a checklist. It's not a to-do list. This is just a simple, this is just a simple, okay, Jesus, I surrender. I'm gonna ask all of you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Please, nobody looking around. And I want you this morning, in this serious, serious, serious moment, here's why this all matters and why we've done what we've done is to bring you to this point this morning where you consider, what am I going to do with the dash? Because I only got one. 
And if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered or submitted that dash, your life to the Savior, I can't encourage you enough to take that step this morning. Here's what that step looks like. The Bible tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we'll be saved. He makes it easy, simple. So if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never been born again, you've never had God come into your life with his cleansing power that forgives your past, forgives your sin, you've never acknowledged that, I wanna lead you in a very, very simple prayer today. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, kind of like Matthew. The only thing I'm going to really ask you to do is to raise your hand. If you're here this morning and you're ready to say yes to Jesus and you've never done that before, you've never been born again, I, I, just raise your hand and I want to lead you in a prayer. Just everyone all over the place. If you need to make Jesus Lord, yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yeah, we got hands going up. Thank you so much, guys, everyone. Anyone else this morning? Let's just wait just a few minutes longer. Man, I know there's a wrestling match. I've been involved in that. Yes, ma'am, thank you. I know there's a wrestling match that goes on. But that questioning, what is it? Why is it? Maybe it's because you don't believe that he loves you as much as he loves you. Maybe you think it's too simple. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If we pray a prayer and God forgives your sin and you're not happy with your life, you're not happy with what God does, you can have all your sin back. We're going to give you a sin back guarantee. <laughs> no, God's way is better. One more time, anyone this morning say, you know what, Pastor Brian, I make Jesus the Lord of my life this morning. All right. Yes, thank you guys. All right. With your heads bowed and still your eyes closed, let's all pray this prayer together. The Bible tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved very simple. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I thank you for my life. I thank you for the, the, the date of my birth. But I've come to a point today where I say yes to you. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to make me brand new on the inside. I believe that you paid a price for me. I couldn't pay it, but you paid it. And so Jesus, I receive everything that you purchased for me. And I thank you this morning that I can say my sin is forgiven. My past is covered. I'm a new creation because of what Jesus did for me. And so from this moment forward, I will follow you. And in Jesus' name, amen.
Now, Father, for those of you, for those that have prayed this prayer for the first time, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your strength is great. But Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, we understand in this followership, this following of you, that from time to time we get off the path, from time to time we miss the mark. And Lord, I thank you that you're not there to scowl and to condemn, but you're there to to, to pick us up. You're there to help us, and you are there to put us back on the way. And so, Lord, we believe this morning that for every person that has prayed this prayer, I thank you, Father, that your power and your life is in them and that your grace will lead them and will be sufficient for them. And Father, we believe that in the coming days and weeks and months, they will grow, that they will go from crawling to walking, from walking to running and following you. And Father, for this congregation, I believe that as we leave this place this morning, as we go out into central Minnesota, we go out as your representatives. And Father, one more thing, as we are here this morning, Father, we pray for those that are in the path of the hurricane. We pray for those in Florida, for those that have evacuated. Father, we pray that you would protect, that you would watch over. I pray, Heavenly Father, that in all of the chaos and the destruction, that somehow you would get glory, not because of destruction, but because people would see a mighty army of followers of Christ reaching and helping and being generous in all of the things that are necessary. And so, Lord, we pray that you would protect and sustain. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you would bring peace and comfort in the midst of the storm and for all of those people affected in Florida, for all of those in Texas as well. And we thank you for all of those things. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you, JCC. Have an awesome rest of your day. And we'll see you back here next Sunday, 10 a.m. Dash part two. God bless you. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.